This time on Matters, we're talking about Hill House. Optimists and pessimists. I forgot about hereditary. All this and more on this exciting episode of Matters. Matters. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Welcome to Matters, where two guys named Matt talk about what matters to you. I'm Matt Noss, across the table from me. It's my good friend Matt Rose. How you doing, Matty? Is this the first one of the year it, that we recorded in this year? This is the first one that we've recorded this year. Oh, wow. Uh, we've kind of been in an every other week uh, uh, cadence, which is just how uh, life has worked out lately. But we're going to try to get back on track. That's uh, that's the Matters promise. <laughs> Oh my goodness. How you doing, Manny? Eh, All right. How are you? I'm okay. Um, big week. Big week. Hamburgers. Hamburgers. I have uh I have a (laughs) I have a meeting tomorrow at eight AM. Oh. So I gotta be downtown at eight AM. Uh, that's some that's some bullshit right there. We, we had a water main break in the city, which yeah. has made a, a boil advisory for the last three days. So uh, our building was very clear. Don't drink the water. Did how many signs did you have up on your floor? Every refrigerator had one. Every sink had one. Every bathroom had a sign on the door. Two signs over each sink in the bathroom, <laughs> and then one over a toilet. I'm kidding. No, that, <laughs> that's not true. But. Uh, they brought in bottled water for us, and it was a brand I'd never seen, seen before. before. Yeah, I'm like, where do they get this water from? Yeah, I uh, on Monday morning I asked you, I sent you a, a message, and I was like, hey, how many bottles of water do you have over there? Because they brought us literally a 12 pack of water, <laughs> and I, you know, I get in around uh, like a little bit after eight, and so I saw it, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna take one, just one though. Because I'm not a creep. And I went back to my desk and I came back and there was just an empty wrapper. Right. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> just a sad wrapper. Um, but so I texted you and I was like, how many bottles do you have? And it was just uh, I said that, zero. That a zero. <laughs> I said I counted a hot zero. <laughs> well, Matt, today's a very special day. It is a special space. <laughs> today's a very special day because we have a guest that I scheduled once and then had to reschedule because of my poor scheduling. Uh, <laughs> you may know her from. Uh, she was in the Go Comedy house team, Hot Gold, and they still perform around time. You may know her from the resident cast of Go Comedy, where she's part of the All-Star Showdown, and you may have heard her on her very own podcast, launching on the Hearsay Network. Ladies and gentlemen, it's called Tess Talks You Through. Welcome to the show, Tess Hannah. Hi. Wow. I'm so happy to be here, finally. We did it. Scheduling. Scheduling. <laughs> scheduling. The hardest part of all of mm-hmm. this. And when I could just casually ask you and you were like, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> so yeah. can I can I interject for one second? Yes. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of any of the podcasts we do is when Matt introduces someone with a you may know this person from because because he starts to break dance where he's like you may know this person from pop, lock pop, pop, pop. you may know her from like relax bugaloo shrimp i can't help myself turbo <laughs> how are you i am excellent doing great feeling awesome and cold yeah, yeah. The uh, Michigan winter has kicked in finally. Yeah. Um, we're supposed to get some snow. That's what I heard. Blasphemy. 
I don't know if it's real, though. I don't either, but we made um, it to the middle of January without was, any real snow. There mm-hmm. was a, a, a tiny bit um, on the way here, but it was like the little tiny pills. So oh, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't sticking. Snow. Not counting. I ain't no. counting. I have to ask you because I you saw too. you last week. Yes. Uh, for Human Amusements versus mm-hmm. San Francisco. And you'd mentioned uh, Tess talks you through. And uh-huh. then I watched your video to um, to kind of introduce the podcast mm-hmm. and its concept. But I would love for you to just talk a little bit about it right now. What is Tess Talks You Through? Yes, I would love to talk about it. Of course, I'd love to do a plug. Sure. <laughs> so it's an advice podcast and um, it's really content driven. So essentially, I just need people to who want advice, which is... Literally everyone I've ever talked to or met ever in life has at one point needed some advice, some guidance, some support, encouragement, direction, perspective, literally any of that. I feel 100% qualified to address. I'm not narrowing the kind of advice I give right now. I'm saying send anything because I figure at some point I'll find the kind of advice that I'm really good at giving and people will want more of that kind of advice. So... I feel really open. So people will email me at testtalksyouthrough at gmail.com, which I'm going to spell. It's T-E-S-S-T-A-L-K-S-T. Nope. U T H R U. I'm going to, it's going to be in the link. And um, (laughs) and then I will keep your um, identity anonymous and give you some advice on the podcast. And right now they're just, we've recorded four. They're very short. And eventually, I'd like to get into a platform where I have guests and we kind of give dual advice because right now it's not very conversational. It's just me talking um, a little and then giving the advice. Um, But, you know, I think it has potential. And I think the reason I wanted to do it is because, like I was saying, I am a licensed clinical social worker. I've been in mental health for a little over 10 years and... Social workers don't give advice. It's like not what we do, even if that's what people think social workers do. It's not. We work collaboratively with people on their goals. And I like giving advice, but I don't want to give unsolicited advice because you all know someone who gives you unsolicited advice all the time. Right. You, you know, that's just the nature of being a person and being out and society and talking to people someone has a solution for a problem that you didn't even say you had um so you know if someone feels like they need that i want to be a resource for that i've been able to dodge a lot of advice bullets my my whole life until i said i was having a baby yeah my wife and i were having a kid and then it was just like oh well you know what you need to do and I'm like, oh yeah, plug I, my ears right now. <laughs> walk away quickly. <laughs> yes. What to you constitutes like good advice? Because I I feel like you're right. Almost everybody hears a problem, and if they're close to somebody, especially, they hear what could be or could not be a problem. But mm-hmm. they've made the decision that oh, this is a problem, and they start giving advice. What to you like? What is good advice to you? I think good advice is not solely based on your personal experience. It has to be appreciated from more than just your perspective, Mm. which isn't like super easy to give always. I think you just have to, when you're presented with a problem, not think, well, I know what I would do. I would do this because that 
certainly is an answer and a type of advice, a very specific, like, be more like me advice. Whereas I would encourage people to be more like them, like give them practical advice that actually fits within their life. If someone were like, you know, uh, do test, you know, I'm a real lazy bum. All I do is uh, play video games. I'm going to, I want to run a marathon. What do I do? Well, if I were you, I would just start running right now. Like, you know, right. that's not very practical for someone who has already admitted that they live a very sedentary lifestyle. So I think if you have a goal and you want to get there, you don't just do it with this snapping of your fingers, which wasn't in the microphone. So no one heard that, but <laughs> you understood. I got it. Thank you. Um, you get there with steps. And so and you have to sculpt those steps. I can't just decide for you, right? So it can't be from my folk, my perspective completely. It has to be a little more well-rounded and actually fit into your life. So that's what I think makes good advice. I like it. I like it. Maddie? Um, I typically only give advice when I hear that someone is about to make a really dumb decision. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Like, hey, there's a fire, a grease fire. I'm going to throw some water on it. No, don't throw water on it. Throw baking soda. Like that's uh, you know. So right, right. there's life saving facts. Yes. In, <laughs> in case of catastrophe, give unsolicited advice. <laughs> you know. But I mean, uh, <laughs> that was a bit of an extreme example. Quite. But um, God, there was someone at work, and they were talking about um, they heard like an article um on the news about things you should keep in your car but they couldn't remember and it was like well i remember the things and then like here's a couple of other things you should keep in your car so i i kind of knew what they were talking about and i added on i know that's not really advice necessarily but the extra stuff in my opinion is advice because you know they always say like carry some water in your car uh, a blanket whatever a blanket and it's like sure. well but also you know these couple other things are are really helpful your supply of protein powder no i think like that sort of like practical life advice is really useful and from anyone who has like life experience i think sharing that is super useful i think where the kind of advice that i seek to give or the kind of problems i would want to address are like probably rooted in communication difficulties or you know family drama um difficulty at work um dating anything like that, because I think that's where we as people are probably the most short-sighted is in our dealings with other people. And so that's kind of my favorite advice to give because sometimes it's useful to put the brakes on like the total opposite of, I have a grease fire. What do I do? Throw water? No, 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 no. Throw baking soda. The total opposite is, well, I like think he likes me and he texted this. So like, what should I, I should text him back this. Right. And it's like, Oh, well we can actually put the brakes on before we take any action Mm -hmm. and, um, figure out what you want. And then we can develop a course of communication that will fit right in with what you want. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I do. So. I, so I want to ask a question, but it, it has to be prefaced with this <laughs> long story. Okay. Uh, so recently in my job, I got selected to do a very cool thing. Uh, it's coaching for uh, Strengths Finder, which is... Oh, like, I... Yeah. I'm, I don't know if you've ever taken it, but Strengths Finder is like a book, and you take this like 60 or 70 question test mm-hmm. that... 
um, it only shows you the question for about 30 seconds. So you have to like, and it's multiple choice and it's situational. So it gives you like, how do you like to uh, recognize a job well done? And it'd be like, praise, I don't need recognition, um, gifts, whatever. Disc is part of Strength Finder, isn't it? Oh, I'm familiar with Disc. I don't know if Disc is. Um, when when I when I was uh, becoming a manager at uh, at Shore, they had us do the Strength Finder thing, and then they had us um, sit through like a fucking five day thing on um, like being a good manager, which. It's funny because no one there is a good manager, but uh, we we also had like we had to like move around and and like put where we thought things should go on this grid and you know oh that yeah was, that was disc. that I don't think that's related to strength finders, but it's probably something that they put together with it. Like you know they'll do um, what is it Briggs Myers Briggs personality yes. tests and things like that. So when you when you complete the test test is a weird word to put for like a survey um but when you complete it it gives you your top five strengths Mm -hmm. out of a list of like 32 and based on those strengths those are the things that you naturally because you from the questions that they've asked and the all the research that they've done because they've done this now like millions of times this is kind of like the place that you land so like one of your strengths, so like one of my strengths is positivity because I tend to be a very positive person. And one of my strengths is belief. I tend to be a positive person. No, no, no. I was going to say, I'll give you one guess if that came up in my strengths. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, I don't have something like a ranger, which is somebody who likes order and like making sure that things work this way. So everybody has different strengths. It is very rare to find somebody who has the same five strengths as you. Um, I think it's like one in 2.3 million or something like that. Like it's really, that seems like a way bigger number than it actually is. But it's one in a lot. Like it's not like you're going to, if there's 10 people in the room, you might have somebody who has two or three of the same strengths as you. But all five is very Highly rare. individualized. Correct. Well, yeah, if there's, thir- if there's you said 32? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, so it's so, it's going to be and yeah, so there's a lot of variables to it. And what they want us to do as coaches is to talk to fellow same level employees as us about the strengths. And I went through like a 2-day kind of crash course training and it isn't about solving any problem. It isn't about it's more about do you feel like you're working in your strengths right now? How could you more like posing questions to people? It's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. And I don't know. I, uh, I don't know if I need advice on it, but like yeah. if, if, if you all were to do something like that, especially in a work environment, right. this isn't, I don't know any of the people that I'm doing. I've, I've met a couple of them but never worked with them. So Mm -hmm. these are all pretty much strangers to me. So the task at hand is to, with this new... So Exactly. So if I were to do a strength coaching session with you, Mm -hmm. I would get your five top five strengths, Mm -hmm. and I would kind of see like, okay, this is who the, what this is. Okay, you have 
like mine are like positively positivity, connectedness, belief, belief, um, and then two others I can't remember off the top of my head. And then it's like, okay, hey Matt, um, how do you do you think you work in your strengths at this job? And I could be like, no, I don't, because I feel very negative right now. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I can solve that type of thing. Sure. But I'm like, all right, well, what do you think? It's much more like, well, what do you think could get you to a place where you could be working in your strengths? Well, I probably have to leave. Okay. Hey, I'm never telling <laughs> you that you have to leave. Right. <laughs> but like, I, I guess like I've never really gone, like I'm very excited to do this. Yeah. Because I do take it very seriously. But there's another part of me that's very like, uh, <laughs> sure because sometimes you do things at work and you're like the disc thing you're like this is bullshit right this is stupid as hell well it sounds like you're already into this strengths finder business that not only does it appeal to you like learning something about yourself perhaps but that the five strengths that were presented to you you're like yeah that is me right so it like the whole process already resonated with you. Definitely. So it will be, it will be naturally, it's, it'll be natural to like ask other people how it resonates with them. And even if you don't know them or if it feels awkward, I mean, you're going to have a starting point because you've literally been through it. You literally did it already. So even if someone's like, if you're doing the exact same thing with them and they get their five and I'm assuming because it's strength based, there aren't five that are like, Pretty lazy. Um, <laughs> unmotivated. Mopey. Yeah. <laughs> Allergic to Man, everything. Fuck the both of you. Jesus. <laughs> That's exactly what my word is. about. So, so you'll... Oboe. <laughs> we'll be talking about all of these great things about that person. Mm-hmm. And I think asking people... Well, one... We all know people love to talk about themselves, right? Yeah, that is And you've true. given them this wonderful platform, something that's showing them something about themselves, asking them how they relate to it and how it really it works into their day-to-day function or their role. I don't I don't feel like that's going to be super challenging because I think people are going to want to talk about either how it doesn't resonate at all, like I guess these are my strengths. I don't know. I don't think any of these are helping me with my performance. I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. Right. You know, or they're going to. And then I can be like, we honestly, we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like this is completely voluntary. Come yeah. here. If you want to just take the next 20 minutes for yourself, feel free. I, I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I think that's cool. Um, I think one of the most interesting things, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, go on. Was. So the gentleman who taught it worked for Gallup for a very long time. And what they did was, and why they believe this so much, is that they were trying to prove that working on the things that you're not good at will only get you so far. Mm. But actually working on the things that you are good at will get you much further. Yeah. So they did like a test on people who were what we would call speed readers or people who could read at a high rate of speed. So they like took a thousand people or whatever. That seems ridiculously high. Maybe it was uh, 50 people and they gave them a reading assessment, reading comprehension assessment. And they found two groups 
and they were like, okay, these are the guys who read one to 30 words per minute. Pretty slow readers struggle with it. And then over here in this group, we've got the 30 to 60 words a minute group. So they're, they're much stronger readers right off the, right off the bat. And they put them through the same speed reading course. The zero to 30 word per minute people were able to get to like 45 words per minute. But the people who were, had an aptitude for speed reading were up into like a thousand words per minute. Like it's not even close. It was like night and day. And I was like, ah. That's really interesting. But it does make a lot more sense that like, oh, if you're actually good at something and you want to do it, you're usually going to do it a lot better. Like I'm never going to be the most organized person in the world. I have the tricks and things that I need to fool myself <laughs> sure. to to get organized. Like, okay, I can make it happen. But like there's other things I'm much stronger at. Like I'm never going to desire to be the program manager. Yeah. Like this reminds me of this really interesting article I had read a long time ago that has it just really stuck with me about the motivational styles of people classified two ways, optimists or pessimists. And they said that people who are optimists learn better when they and do better when they're given positive reinforcement like you did great oh i really liked what you did there that was so that was so wonderful keep going that's so great and that they continued to improve and that pessimists actually um they responded better to negative feedback like i need more from you or you can do better than this or this just isn't really working right now and that the reinforcement styles on the opposite were like detrimental to improvement and i and this is something i've recognized just in my life and learning and growing um i'm an optimist and whenever i've been presented with that kind of negative like i need more this isn't good enough or whatever i feel like really like shut down and at a loss i'm like i i don't i I can't whereas as an optimist any little bit of positive feedback and i'm like super motivated to like keep going so it just this seems similar right for me, because I'm an optimist. That's that's really funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> because I don't really know what to do with good feedback. Because like I, I do the best that I can. And when I'm in one-on-ones with my boss, I'm and I ask like what can I do better? And she'll be like, not really anything. Like every every everything you're doing is is really good. And it's like I'm I'm I can't improve anywhere. Like there's there's nowhere I like no just keep going where you're going where it's like well fuck like I don't I don't I don't know what to do with that I don't know what to do with like good feedback with with the feedback where it's like you need to improve here here and here now I know where to go so that at the next review I can show that I made the progress to that goal and keep going so that that's funny that you mentioned that I, I while you were saying that something struck me really hard because I have I have come up against that where it's like well what do you need from me and it's like just keep doing what you're doing which is shorthand for I have other things to it's manager shorthand for like uh, there's other people on this team that need development well and, and you are one of them it's funny that it's funny that you say that because um, 
in my year end review, my boss said that. Oh God, I forget exactly how she put it, but it was it was something like, "Do you create more work for me? No, then you're doing great." <laughs> like the the people on the team that are not doing what they're supposed to, or they're doing a sloppy job make her job harder because either she has to jump in to help them or she has to find other people to help them. She has to somehow add more work to her schedule. She has never had to do that for me. And so she's like, you make my job easier. That is exactly what I want. I wish more people were doing this. Right. And at the same time, I feel like the development thing that I take away from that is if I, because I used to teach improv quite a bit. And students always want to know, like, what am I doing wrong? Or how can I do this better? You know, because there's such a desire to learn. And what I'm hearing now, like, almost like 15 years removed from teaching. It's not that long. Uh, My numbers uh, today's episode are (laughs) fucked. Uh, But it's more of like, to put it more on you to say, like, okay, you do an excellent job at this and I need you to start thinking about a big challenge for us. Like what is the thing that's, I need you to start identifying the things that we're missing. I need you to figure out where there's X, Y, Z. Like I feel like we managers and teachers sometimes get so happy with somebody who's doing the thing that we wanted them to do that we forget to develop them. Yeah. That we kind of leave these people who are great to die on the vine because they're great at keeping me out of a meeting that I don't have to be in. Or they're, they're in improv, it would be like, you're funny and just keep being funny because that's the only <laughs> currency that matters here, baby. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like I would have appreciated challenges a little bit more positivity because i do need if i get negativity i i I do shut down yeah it just it it doesn't hit my ears right and mainly because i just take everything very personally and even if it's not meant in a personal way it's more of a no that i need more from you then i just feel like well i'm obviously not doing a good job and then it's just me, and that's not necessarily what that person means. It means that they see something. It could mean it could mean what they literally said, and it could mean that they see something more, and they want to bring that thing yeah. out. You know, like everybody talks about Del Close, the great improv guru, and he would just be like, "Oh, that was great when I saw it ten years ago with George Went." <laughs> 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 Like, you know, or he made me restart a scene 20 times in a row. And then I figured out the lesson later. It's like, did you? Did you fucking figure out that lesson later? Or did you make an excuse for a crazy person? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because sometimes we do that. Sure. And someone taking whatever approach might work best with them, that's maybe... Maybe one time someone said, you know, that that wasn't good. I need more from you. And then they hit a breakthrough or they like were really motivated to improve. And they did because maybe that was their personal learning style. And again, I think that's probably that, you know, maybe your manager just really loves to hear. 
oh no, everything's great. And then that's the feedback she wants to give because it felt so great when she heard that too, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, well, well, I mean, I mean I've, I've, I've pushed her every one-on-one we've ever had. Like, is there anything else I can be doing? Am I like, are my hours all right? Is, is everything fine? And she and I worked for the same consulting company before this at different times. But, you know, I mean, we both knew the insanity of that place. And she, I think, is, is very results-driven. So if you are delivering on what you said you'd deliver and you're you're not causing a lot of trouble for anybody or anything, you're good. Um, and I mean, it's not like she hasn't given... Like, uh, do you guys do IDP? We do something similar. Similar, okay. Um so we have to do the like development goals for ourselves where it's like, I want to get better at this. And then um, <laughs> you have to figure out a way to get better at that. Within yeah. The year. Um, so I think that they required two training things. So I took 10 <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you don't, you don't need my help with any of that. <laughs> like that's, that's good. You're, you're good. <laughs> Um, but did they, uh, did they ever do the good, bad, good thing with you? No, it's the, otherwise known as the shit sandwich where it's like, so Matt, I feel that you're doing a good job on this, but I think you can do better on this, but you're also doing good on this. What that does is that makes the person forget the middle thing. And they only hear the good things. So you could be like, Matt, I think that you're very punctual. And I think that your work is pretty shoddy. But I also think you're a nice guy. You're not going to pay attention so I'm much. punctual and to a nice the, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Look at this nice guy on time. Look at this on time nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody likes me. But <laughs> meanwhile, but, knocks computer off desk. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a nap. Um, you, know, you don't mind if I use this as a pillow? <laughs> Please. All right. We'll see you later, guys. Oh, me, I'm just working. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that was something that they would teach at Shores, the, the shit sandwich. And when I went to the next company, um, they were doing... <laughs> Ugh, thought leading um and yeah uh and the the one woman when i mentioned the shit sandwich thing she was like oh yeah don't do that and i was like why not and she started going over all the reasons why you shouldn't do it and it was like oh yeah that makes sense that whenever, place was a nightmare <laughs> whenever you have the word but in a sentence it also means i don't mean what i just said yeah. mm-hmm. forget all that listen up now right I'm I'm so glad that everybody's here today, but we all could have done a little bit better. And but I'm happy now. Like fuck you. <laughs> I'm I'm currently a supervisor at my job, and I've I've been one for five and a half years. And I don't like to give negative feedback without also honoring some really good stuff I've seen. I haven't done it in like quite this sandwich approach, but you know there are times I have to tell someone they did really poorly. But I. I consciously try to frame it in this way of and tell them exactly what I need improved because I don't I don't want anyone to ever internalize 
um, something I've said they've done because usually it's newer employees and they are not um, familiar with either like sort of informal office rules and protocol or like their clinical writing really needs to improve. And I feel like that's one of my easiest things to get, have to give negative feedback about like, Oh, your clinical writing. Cause we're social workers in the mental health clinic. Um, it's like, it's not personal at all. Oh, you need to make sure you include these things. I really like how you captured a, B and C about this person, but I, but you can't, you cannot forget to include da, 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 because it's, it's like those are literally the rules and they have nothing to do with this individual in front of me. Right. Which is freeing because right. I'm not attacking at all. It's like you made chocolate chip cookies and forgot the chocolate chips. So we're going to need to put those in next time. Uh-huh. It's like it's the ingredients. And it's, thanks for these cookies. And they're great. <laughs> we're all smiles over here. Yeah. But it is hard to give negative feedback to employees that are suffering. Yeah. I don't, it's my least, one of my least favorite roles. With, in the roles that I've been a leader and I've had to give negative feedback, I usually do very little talking and more let what they've done speak for itself. I just knocked over a bottle computer matt thinks it's hilarious what Sleeping happened on it no it was just you were sitting there and it like flew out and you did the <laughs> <laughs> we're like you, you, oh, yeah. I, you made, I made the motion that said <laughs> not catching that i didn't even notice <laughs> there's no way i would have caught that in oh, a million years i don't i don't think that anyone else would have noticed <laughs> it but like i just matt and i have a knack for finding things that the other person does that are really subtle <laughs> that are really funny to us that someone else wouldn't have noticed case in point not to not to derail this conversation but matt and i were in las vegas for a friend's wedding oh my i God. love telling this story but i will tell it for the rest of my life and we uh matt and i were going back to the hotel we were both staying at and we needed a cab and there was a cab driving the other way and I literally, this was how I held it. And Matt goes. So for everybody who couldn't oh, see, yeah, I'm Matt's, sorry. Matt's it was there. the, I, I lifted my hand away from my hip about a foot. Right. Like hands straight down, a lift to the hip. And he, he did two fingers, but it was honestly just like a point. Like, hey, like that's it. Like. The fucking Fonz. This cab. Well, but hold on. You laughed at me and said that was the worst cab hail I have ever seen. And then the car does a U turn and pulls up. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you did that. that I then <laughs> changed my negative feedback to positive feedback. Yeah. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. That was, never should have worked. Yeah. Never. Oh, and I uh, totally agreed. It never should have worked. But it did for that one moment in time. Oh yeah, if I were to go to Chicago or New York, wouldn't fucking work at oh, all. Oh yeah, if someone would shoot me if I did it. But in, Is that in a Las Vegas, sign? Yeah. take him out. <laughs> but in Vegas, for some reason, at that particular moment, it worked. Uh, I have no idea what I was saying before. Oh, it was something about feedback. Yeah, I let the oh. 
Oh, this was the advice. Speaking of advice, here we go. The advice that I got was adults can't argue with their own feedback, with their own things. If you just give them what they did, it is much harder for them to argue with it. And I, yes. I worked in a call center, so I would just be like, so I need to take a listen to this, and I would just play them the call. And then it was like, nah, it did all the work for me. I don't need to. Yeah. I don't necessarily need to harp on this. So I was like, so we're going to look for opportunity to do this better. Uh, what could we do? Those were literally almost every development goal with annual performance evaluations I would do, which they took the development goal out. And I was like, less typing um, was about <laughs> how people hadn't met their we call them key performance indicators, KPIs, oh, the numbers they the have classics. to they have to hit. No one hits them because maybe they're not realist. Anyway, um, I won't work there soon. Um, <laughs> no one hits them. So I'm like, and uh, what's your goal for the future? They're like, meet my KPIs. Yep. Yeah. Get closer to those numbers because you're not there. You need to be there. Great development goal. I wonder why they stopped making us do those. Yeah, really inspiring. <laughs> Super. I mean, <laughs> hey, if you are a sales-oriented person, numbers mean a lot more to you. Yeah. Goal-oriented, like rip and chew, get it done. Boy, I love that type of thing. Like my wife. My wife has been in professional sales her whole adult life. And even before. I mean, she worked retail, but like... And she would convert people on. She worked at uh, the Limited, and she was like the number one Slack converter or something nice. like. Like she would be like, "Hey, have you tried our new Slacks?" Like she, <laughs> I don't think it was Slacks, but something along those lines. The like, Limited makes the best Slacks, so it probably was. It was great Limited Slacks, but like she was able to do that, and she's she worked at Saks and sold handbags, a hundred percent commission. Like she is driven goal-oriented, sees, sees the goal in the distance, yeah. claw, bite, chew, scratch, to get there. And it means something more to her. When you put numbers on things that are more like emotional, I always get confused. I'm always like, you know, I mean, I've worked in contact centers my whole career, and it's always just like, that experience was an 83. I'm like, fuck you. How do you no, it wasn't. Right. I feel like when you're dealing with something quantitative like commission or dollars of product sold, you're right. It's seeing it is very easy. It's it's concrete. When you're dealing with something qualitative, it's it's interesting to try to quantify it and you're like, sure, this it was an 83, that experience. Yes. Okay. Right, which is where you get stuck in process, right? Mm -hmm. So everything just becomes like, did you do it right? <laughs> did you like, oh, this one cookie cutter thing, this is how it should be done for every human being that calls in. It's like, eh, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> now, not saying that uh, there's been our fair share of opportunities for people uh, to work on their interpersonal skills with our customers, but, you know. I don't know. It's it's a constant battle. <sighs> what are we at? Because I still kind of want to talk about haunting. We can talk about it. Okay, I'm gonna transition. Yeah. Back in October, we did a show together on a Sunday buffet. I don't. We didn't do the show together together, but you were hosting, 
and I was backstage, and we started talking about The Haunting of Hill House, Ooh. the recent remake on Netflix, um, made by the same... Well, it was re- Remake is a loose interpretation of remake. It, it wasn't... It was, was a it movie, was insp- right? It was inspired All by inspired. the book. It was inspired by Jackson. Yeah, that's She's my favorite author. Literally. Adore her. How'd the paper bag do? It didn't it vibrated. It oh. sounded mm-hmm. so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounded <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> it, the goggles, they do <laughs> nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. Now she wrote The Haunting of Hill House. Yes. The haunt. Yeah, yeah. What else did she write? Because I know that the she's. The Lottery. Ooh. Yes. A famous short story you have definitely read, even if you don't remember that you read it. Which one's The Lottery? So there's this creepy town, and then every house has to draw a piece of paper in the town square. And then that family who gets the mark on the piece of paper, then every person in the family has to draw a piece of paper. And then the person who got. The actual mark then gets Get stoned. stoned to death. Yeah, and it's to uh, it's basically like to keep the village lucky or, or you know to get the harvest or whatever. Whoa! Yeah, she's yeah. like it's like it's very gothic writing, and I mean that in like the most true sense. Like um, she's from San Francisco, but then she and her husband moved to New I England, think it was New Hampshire, or Vermont. Yeah. yeah, and she wrote this amazing book, which I feel like as your child ages, read it. It's called Life Among the Savages. And it's sort of all about her like just being like a mom to these kids. And she's like, what is happening? Because that like wasn't her path, but then it became her path. She's so creative. She's so cool. There are only two books she's written that I haven't read because they're the only two that are left on this planet. Since she's dead, there'll never be any more. And I'm like, I got to save them. She yeah. wrote this book called We Have Always Lived in the Castle. It's phenomenal, and I would love to see it turned into something. It never has been, but it's creepy and weird and cool. I just love her voice as a writer so much, so I knew I was going to love this show right away. We watched, and when I say we, it was Jen Hansen, Matt, and I watched the first episode together. Jen and Matt had already watched it, so they already knew like to be watching the background for all the ghosts. I've well, So... To be fair, what I was watching was you watching the show. I was just going to ask that. I was like, were they just watching you? Like, oh yeah. Well, I am. <laughs> I am a world class scaredy cat. Oh, okay. I, I horror is a genre I will watch, but I watch it on my own terms, which ruins horror. <laughs> like I, I like I watched a majority of The Haunting of Hill House on double speed with subtitles. Okay. <laughs> you wanted to run through that haunted house. Yeah, I exactly. Exactly. I remember when I was a little kindergartner and at St. Thomas Lutheran School we had a haunted house which was just a hallway filled with smoke. <laughs> and I was in like a black light. You know what I mean? Like yep, yep, yep. nothing. Nothing scared me to death like wouldn't walk in and then they like had to turn on the lights and be like hey it's just me mrs shot snyder and i'm like hey, uh, uh, yeah hey it's me <laughs> you know like it was just like they were just like it's so we were just playing around when uh god there was a f- a carnival that had come through uh shelby township 
when I was, I think, in like third grade. And so me and uh, my mom <laughs> and I think my brother and sister and then uh, the Martins went with us. And Brian and I went into the haunted house and he freaked out in the middle of the haunted house and started crying. And his mom had to go in and get him. Oh, no. And like sobbing when he came out. And it was like, I'm not sure what he was. I'm not sure what he was scared of because it's like it, they didn't even have people walking around scaring us. It might have just been like there was a loud noise. Like, you know, when like the things will pop out from the wall and you just hear the like, Arr! <laughs> I think that might have been what did that it. is. That was a uh, the Babalo haunted house had that, and that terrified me. The, was it the loud house. noise or the thing coming out? I think it was more the uh, the loud noise yeah, with the, the thing. It was just them together. Like the loud noise independently would probably give me a start, mm -hmm. but then teaming it with something ridiculous, like uh, "Behold the ravages of age." Type yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like now, I would not be that scared of it, but like. At the same time, and we'll get back to Hill House in a second, I like playing scary video games. Like, I do well with them because after I get over my fear, the game itself will become a game again. Okay. Like, um, you know, the Resident Evil, the most re recent Resident Evil 7 was first person and you're woefully underpowered at the beginning of it. You're just kind of like a dude in a house with a maniac. And it is terrifying. I would argue that you're underpowered the whole game. <laughs> See, I love horror movies, but I feel like scary video games might scare me more. Because it's like you're you are in it or you're immersed in it. Whereas from a horror movie, I'm like, I'm on my couch and safe. But if I'm in there first person wise, that sounds scarier to me. So because I was watching Matt play the game and Jen would be here watching as well, I think it was different for the two of us than it was for you mm -hmm. because you were the one who was controlling it and Jen and I were powerless. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, having a sense of control, I guess, in that chaos, Yeah. knowing that like after you die in the game and you go back and you do the same thing again, like, you know, it, it loses its thing. Yeah. But Hill House. Oh. So I watched this first episode totally gave me the heebie-jeebies mm -hmm. loved it mm -hmm. really yeah. really really loved it and i loved the characters from the jump yeah. i loved that and, and it, one of my well i loved freddy when i was a kid i did love the the nightmare on elm street movies but Same. i don't think they're scary um no the first one is scary. The scariest. The scariest. The third one is the best because it's just... Oh my God, I love it so much. Dream Warriors all the time. Wanna get high? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, the best. So good. So good. He, I just... I love that everybody's impression of Freddy now is like, get over here, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it turns into scary Terry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that I just loved about Hill House is that they spent time developing the characters. Absolutely. Which I feel like any modern horror film that I've watched, save a few examples, you know, like, doesn't really do. Nope. Really doesn't 
developed characters. I think Get Out did a great job of developing the characters. Like you got to see them. Um, Quiet Place did a really good job. Recently, Hereditary did a really good job. Oh man, uh, uh, Jen and I were were telling you to watch Hereditary, or no, we were telling you mm. that you wouldn't be able to watch Hereditary uh, because of the um, the, the d- uh. well spoiler. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention uh, for anybody who hasn't seen uh, any of the things that we're mentioning. Spoiler alert! <laughs> um, spoiler alerts abound. But no, I, I they told me about the decapitation Ugh. in in Hereditary. Yeah. And then it comes like twenty minutes into the movie. Like yeah, it's, it's it's not long. Brutal. And then it's like, oh shit. It, yeah, it's like one of the most the moment in that car, and it's silent. And I'm assuming his feet are still on the brakes or whatever. I felt like I took this deep <gasps> breath, and I didn't exhale for like ever because I was like, "What is happening?" It's so it was just so intense. But yeah, anyway. it's it's yeah. it's such an uncomfortable sequence, oh, like yeah. especially when he just drives uh-huh. slowly drives home well i've seen scenes from it and who mm. is the female actor tony Tony Collette. she yeah. is Mwah. next level brilliant but that scene where she is in her g- mother's room and she turns the light off and her mother's um, there there uh-huh. and then she turns it on i'm like uh-huh. and hill house has so many, many of, of those so moments that good stuff. well and when you watch it the second time and you see all the ghosts because there are so many ghosts in the background. Yeah. I haven't rewatched. Um, I will. I just. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, though. I like, just haven't. It w- well, it was another reason I watched it on double speed is I just needed to get through it. Because yeah. in October, I didn't have a 10 month old. I had <laughs> a six month old. Mm-hmm. So it was like six. Yeah. Well, who cares? It was emo- numbers again on this episode for me. <laughs> it was also emotional for me, which is, I think even why I brought up hereditary. Cause, um, mo- I love horror movies. Most of them don't really touch me in my heart. Right. You know, um, but this one did. And it's the, the wonderful character development and the dynamic of these children raised, not only in this haunted house, but raised by these very interesting people. Right. And their interactions with each other and like the special things about them, you know, the twins and just everything about their characters was very sincere and believable. And in in a wonder, it was wonderfully written and acted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you heard that the children are the five stages of grief? Oh, my. I have not. No. No. Yes. So I like it. one of the big things is that the children themselves are the five stages of grief. So Stephen would be denial. Yeah. Okay. And what's uh, Theo? Shirley is anger. <laughs> yeah. Theo is bargaining. Really? So as the middle t- child, Theo is clearly controlling who she lets in and who she keeps out of her life. She wears those gloves to stifle any and all feelings until she wants something, able to sense emotions and knowledge simply by touching others. Theos tries to rationalize everything around her when she's unhappy with something and she makes it so that she is. Huh. Luke is depression. Mm. Yeah, okay. And Nell is acceptance. Oh, adult. Okay, all right. Yeah, this okay. is all the adult yeah, okay. children. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, it. I think it, again, speaks to how well it was done that whether this is true or false, that if they, if it's true that they truly went in with that intent, brilliant, 
Yes. You know, because they they were able to get it. But if they didn't and you're able to overlay that mm-hmm. on it for yourself. Yeah. That speaks so highly of it. Because that that premise is so rich throughout. We have a lot of scenes that take place in a funeral home. The mm-hmm. children all dealt with the death of their mother, you know, experiencing mm-hmm. the death of Nell. And, you know, just like mm-hmm. it, it just fits in so well to have grief and grieving be a big theme, too. When I when I watched it and I would see a ghost, I would be like, there's a ghost. There it is. Like there was one I remember that was like it was the husband and wife talking and they were in one of the library type things. And it was outside of a great hall that went to the windows. And it was like the creepiest ghost in the distance. Mm -hmm. But one thing that was always I didn't quite get is that some of the ghosts seem to just be friendly ghosts. Yeah, just there. Just there observing. Like the grandma ghost. Mm -hmm. And even the little kid ghost Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily seem to be like, so who was doing the knocking on their door, on their wall? I think that that was probably, oh, the knocking, I think, was the one that was trapped in the wall. Oh, the guy downstairs. Yeah, oh, I think yeah. that was the guy that walled himself in. Um, I, I would, I you know, I, I, I don't know for sure, but that makes a little bit more sense to yeah, me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but then, like the the one who was trying to harm people was the flapper, because mm-hmm. she just wanted more and more people there. Um, and then the oh god, the basement ghost. No thanks, man. Yeah, that <laughs> when I was watching it, it got to that part and I just yelled, nope. And like I was ready to just pause it and like get up and, and shake it out a little bit. <laughs> Very scary. Yeah, that that freaked me out. So. I think the Hill House ghosts exist. I don't think anybody's crazy. No, no, they right. totally exist. Agreed. But I do think they leave it open to be like maybe they don't exist you think i i i think in the last episode they they leave a door open for this may not be real i think everybody involved thinks it's real but i don't know well so it's funny you mentioned that because remember in the first episode when Stephen is at that woman's house and he says that grief makes you see like grief makes you see kind of what you want to see. And that that's an interesting point. Yeah. And uh, we got to see uh, Timothy Hutton again, which was what a delight. Everybody, everybody did a really great job. Absolutely. The the little kids did a great job too. They were awesome. Mm -hmm. Especially, like when you find out what's behind the red door and how like rough that is Mm -hmm. and how well those little kids acted Mm -hmm. with all of that Mm -hmm. like especially like in the last episode where they're all in the same room yeah and like the little kids are interacting with the adult counterparts it's like that's some heavy stuff super and those kids nail it yeah Mm -hmm. And it, I think it made is another thing that made it so much 
fun to watch, mm-hmm. even though that it was so tense. Like nothing happens. <laughs> Nobody gets hurt. So the last Nobody episode you watched regular speed, right? Yeah. Okay. The, the last three episodes I watched regular okay. speed. Right. If it's seven, I watched three of the seven fast. I think it's more than seven. It's I think ten. it's like nine or ten. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I watched five fast. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. It really hits. I saw the I saw the biggest jump scare at real at real time. Oh, speed. when Nell oh. comes out of the back seat. Oh. Yeah. I <laughs> shouted. Yeah. Yeah. And I I lost my mind. Threw myself back on my couch. Like, yes. But talk about an earned jump scare. <laughs> Like instead of it just because I wa- I get in YouTube holes and like I wa- I end up watching a lot of like what's wrong with modern horror and it always comes down to the jump scare yeah and it's just like eh I guess this is scary because the nuns here yeah <laughs> and here's the nun again oh and you turned around and she's gone and oh there she is like but like this the whole thing just made sense it wasn't like well I don't know. That was like really, really made sense. I'm thinking while we talk about this, I don't know if I have a favorite horror movie. Really? I don't know if I can like... Because I watch so much horror, I I tend to have to compartmentalize it a little bit and be like, well, but wait, what kind of horror are you talking? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess like I would say The Shining because it's the one I've seen the most. You know, like... But but I don't know if it's my favorite. Yeah, I was going to say like... That's that's just the horror movie you've watched the most. That's that's not necessarily... I mean, remember that technically um, aliens can be classified as, sure. as as a horror movie. So can Alien. Right. Alien to this day scares the fucking shit should. out of me. Yeah. It should. Forever. Yeah. For, forever. Yeah. It's tight corridors and something's there is oh, yeah. terrifying. Well, and the, you know... It, what they did really well with the first one, James Cameron was like, I'm going to take that and then I'm going to make it worse. <laughs> so it was like the the beep, beep. Oh, yeah. And beep, then it's and then it, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, now we're, you know, 90 years in the future. We will just make things even more tense for you. Um, But so you don't think you have a favorite horror movie? I don't really. I don't know if I can like point to one and be like, like, I love Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Mm-hmm. I, I I it's so goofy and over the top. <laughs> like when so he's good. when he's walking and he's like being pulled by the veins like a marionette. Yep. Like he's Thunderbirds or something. Yeah, Thunder <laughs> He's a super marionette. Um like I love that. I love it too. I love um Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead's great. Oh yeah. I would I would consider that a horror movie. It is. Don't uh, give me a don't give don't give a number one favorite. Give a top five because then there's a lot of room there. Or a top three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can incorporate the sub genres as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, you know? that's, I mean that's what I would have to do. Classic. I, mean, I have doubles as sci-fi. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have what I know is my my favorite horror movie, but then I have all the things under it that are like, you know, I mean, obviously my favorite one doesn't get to be my favorite zombie movie because it's not a zombie movie, but. You know, then and even then, it's like, are we talking like Italian zombie? Are we talking, you know, like American zombie? Are we talking zombie action? What are we talking here? Zombie comedy? I don't know. That's that's a lot. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
But what's your favorite? Exorcist. It's oh very my, good. Oh my god, that movie is so insane. Like you just, know, I've never seen it. End to end, I've never seen it. You're gonna like it. I'm gonna make you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just knowing. Like uh, I know, I know a fair amount about about the movie. I mean, I'm not a scholar on it or anything, but um, just knowing like some of the some of the things that they put into the movie, it's it's really crazy. And like William Friedkin, is kind of a jerk. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like during the one of the last scenes, where um a priest has to say last rites for somebody. He walked up to him and he was just like, all right, that was terrible. Smack, <laughs> smacked him right across the face. And the guy was a real priest, smacked him right across the face and goes, action. <laughs> and the guy just looks like visibly upset because he is. He just got slapped across the face. He was really counting on him being a pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I mean, he also like kept the room where they do the exorcism like at 30 degrees or something so you can see their breath and stuff it's and like poor, real. poor linda blair was just wearing a nightgown <sighs> so like that as soon as they were done filming they had to like wrap her in a coat and stuff uh she i think she broke some ribs and like hurt her spine ellen was it ellen burston yeah. i think that was the mother uh she like legitimately hurt her spine uh, cause they, <laughs> it was a stunt gone wrong where they, they pulled her with a rope to like, like, cause she's supposed to get pushed by, by Pazuzu. Right. Um, but like they jerked her way too hard and like, she ended up like screaming in the scene. That was not, uh, that was, that was not acting. That was like, Hey guys, you almost broke my back. It's That's a not movie cool. that. I, I quote it regularly. There are two lines I say just randomly anytime it is, why you do this to me, Demi? <laughs> I say it a lot. And recently, for some reason, I found myself, we, you said the F, we can. Yeah, uh, okay. of course. Well, <laughs> another line I feel like I say all the time is, do you know what she did? Your, Your cunting daughter. Because <laughs> it's. So that's such a weird swear. Super weird. <laughs> it is. Well, and the, especially like some of the <laughs> all the best lines come out of Linda Blair, yeah. but it's usually not Linda Blair's voice. Uh -huh. Like Mercedes Cambridge, uh, she, <laughs> to prepare for it, she smoked more than normal, drank a bunch of whiskey, and just lived life. <laughs> Going for it. What? That. That's a great solid one. prep. It's a great one. And when it was like re-released in the theaters, I think I was in high school. 90. Uh, I think it was for. Yeah, I think it was 97 because um, I think it was for the 25th year. Yeah, I went to see it and was freaked out. I had seen like an edited version I had rented oh, no. in high school. And then I saw it in the theater and it was the, I don't know, With extended. With the crab walk and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I was so scared for six weeks i slept with my light on and literally almost every horror movie i see affects me this way and i won't stop watching them i will lose sleep it's guaranteed i didn't sleep well after hereditary i slept oh. okay after the nun 
it didn't really affect me. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I, I am old enough to know that this isn't good for me and I'm haunted by them and I, I still do it. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I was in Colorado uh, at my friend uh, Jeremy and, and Maria's house. And I was sleeping in their basement. And Jeremy also likes horror movies. And we were there, or I was there, you know, right before Halloween, like the week before Halloween. <laughs> and we watched Hereditary. And he was like, all right, you know, because I think it was like one o'clock in the morning. He's like, all right, I got to I gotta go to bed. And he walked upstairs and it was like, all right. And so I walked over to the door to the basement. I looked down and I just go, nope. <laughs> Close the door. I slept on the couch. Because I was not expecting the movie to take the turn that it takes. And quite a turn. Yeah. And just that the ending, it really does just go in a completely different direction from where you think it's going to go. And I was not expecting that. And then just... Yeah, I I I don't want to because I, I I want you to watch it. It's derailing and, and it and it's confusing and terrifying all at the same time, and it's overwhelming in all of those things. And you're just like, I so don't know. I watched a thing on it the other day, and they were talking about how the second time you watch it, you actually have their emotions in reverse. Because now you're actually knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was cool. I forget. I don't think it was Ryan Hollinger, but it was it was somebody I, I subscribe to. I mean, basically everything I subscribe to on YouTube is horror related. And um, I was I was watching something on it, and it was making really interesting points about um, about Hereditary. Um, it was really cool. It was a, it was a good movie. It was. Definitely not what I thought it was going to be, um, which is why it was well, hard, the ruin, hard for the me. The movie's been ruined for me. Like, I, oh, yeah, I've I already know like all the twists. But oh. the acting from Tony Collette is legit worth watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm not a crier. Um, it's it's just it's not what I do. Yeah. But I was sobbing, and I don't recall another horror movie that had me sobbing. I was going through a lot of grief with because grief is such a strong theme. I mean, on Haunting of Hill House, episode five, Bent Neck Lady, mm-hmm. sobbing. Oh yeah, I yeah, Which, yeah. Again, totally unexpected. It felt like it it kicked me in the stomach, and I yeah. felt just so so affected. But I mean, I feel like the experience of Hereditary, even if the ending is ruined, even if it's someone had told me like. All of these weird things happen. Right. The Demon King. Or what you know, right. you're like, Paymon, cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, guess what about that grandma? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then like I think the experience of the movie, it's like, um, I, I don't even love this term, but I don't know another way to put it. It's like a slow burn. It's this gradual mm-hmm. build to yeah. what? Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean it, it that's I could not put it better. <laughs> because it really it like do you remember those fireworks you would get where it was like the snake where you oh, yeah, where yeah, you'd yeah. light it and, and more it kept would, coming out? Yeah, yeah. And it just kept going and going and going. And then it turns into an M80 where it's like, fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I... Oof. The, other mo- the other horror movie that made me feel that way is 
the witch because you're like watching and you're like, oh, cool, Puritans, they're that is, homesteading. That and is then you're like, 90, what is happening? Yeah, that's that's 90% slow burn and then like 10%. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of love that. I guess I love that trend because it makes them seem you're not relying on these jump scares or the orchestral mm. music to freak you out. And the nun is right. Yeah. Who cares? It's, there's just, there's something deeper that, about it. Well, so um, it is what had, cause like eighties horror to me is always about the character. It's over. There's plenty of great horror in the eighties. This is not the statement I'm making. It was overrun by, Pinhead, Jason, Freddy, the big names, you know, and they they were like top of the hill. So the 90s was a weirder time for horror because like Scream was like the pervasive, like that was a huge hit. It was, you know, so then there was your Final Destinations, like those movies kind of all. I know what you did last summer. Right. Like they were all kind of like the urban legend, teenage slasher films. But then the. The 2000s, I don't know what kind of happened to horror in the 2000s. Torture porn happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, it was hostile. It was hostile. And then Saw. saw. No, Saw, oh. then hostile. I never yeah. saw Saw, but I think my if I had to narrow it down to my favorite horror movie, even though I'd much rather do a top five or top three, I think my favorite came out in the 2000s. I love The Ring. I love the ring. ring. The ring was great. It's beautiful. When I first saw it and she steps out of the TV, I was losing my mind. Losing it. Losing (laughs) it. Yeah, because I'm watching it on a TV. Uh huh. So I was like, Uh oh, losing it. And it was, for the time, so such a fantastic effect. Oh, yeah. And I loved Silent Hill. Like, that video game was really yeah. a touchstone okay, in yeah. my life. So, the like, the way she was walking and all that was, yeah, uh-huh. it was yeah. messed up. My, we finished watching it, and my roommate, he had he had already seen it, and he left the house, and he went down the street to the K-hole. It was the Circle K gas station. We just called it the K-hole. And he called us, called. and we had a landline. <laughs> so, the phone rang when the movie ended, and I was like, <laughs> I screamed, and was like, I can't answer that. <laughs> Someone's gonna say seven days, <laughs> and of course, someone did. It was it was Bill. But <laughs> it was awesome to be that scared of a phone ringing. Like it was great, <laughs> and I didn't sleep for a long time. But I think that came out in the two thousands, and I I, I think it came out in, jeez, I think it was like two thousand two thousand one ish. I that's definitely in my top five faves. I love that movie. Have you ever seen The Descent? I love that oh, movie. Man. That oh like. I don't deal well with confined spaces Ooh. and it's got everything. It's got confined spaces. It's got absolute pitch black. <laughs> it's got the threat of them starving to death because of the cave in. And then like also, yeah, it's got monsters, whatever. That's not the, that's not even the scary part. Everything else is the scary part. It passes the Bechtel test. What's the Bechtel test? It's a test. It's like the, to see if a movie is, um, is, through a feminist lens does it pass the Bechdel test are there more than two women are there any scenes where these two women are in a scene together not talking about a man and I mean horror movies one man in the movie yeah like horror (laughs) movies don't necessarily you don't people don't look at through that lens very often but I love the descent because there's five female characters Uh, I I think it's it's five five or six yeah and so I 
that was like the first thing I noticed about, the, about that movie. I was like, oh, and it was good and so, so scary. Yeah, have you seen I, it? I, I, I has, have not watched not. it. I don't. Um, that was good. I, when I watched that uh, with Gaye, it was 2004, I think. Um, <laughs> she had to go to the bathroom, so she paused it, and then she had me wait outside the door. <laughs> Yeah. Where she was like, I, I, I'm going to have to turn the light off and I don't want to open the door and have you not be there. It's like, yeah. it's, it's cool. I'll be, I'll be there. Sometimes you're standing outside the bathroom. You have to reach in and turn the light on before you can walk in. It's a perfectly yeah. normal thing. Yeah, it just happens. It's, 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 of course it's perfectly normal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to, to carry this thread out. So then if 2000s is torture porn. Is that what got us into Jump Scare City? Um, no, because they've been doing jump scares for a long time. It's just that it's. I think that I think that a lot of the writing has become lazy, and so they rely on jump scares over actually having a scary story. Because there are still good movies, like there are still good horror movies that don't rely on jump scares. A Quiet Place is a really good example of one where that did you see a quiet place I haven't i need to ah well so the the sound design is is so good for that movie um because it really requires you to pay attention to what the characters are are doing and listening to how they actually designed the sound environment is is crazy because that's the only movie I've ever gone to where I could hear people aisles away chewing popcorn because it was dead silent through almost the entire thing where you know they're signing to each other and then like when they think they're safe they can speak but very very quietly and so you can still hear things going on in the background it's not like like a Tarantino movie, you can hear people talking through the entire thing. Very, right. very, very talky. Um, this is anti that. Do you so. know what the 2000s also introduced and carried, though, was um, I cannot remember the name of the movie, but it was all like um, it was from like a, a video surveillance camera perspective. Yes. Oh, what oh, oh, uh, uh, like found footage stuff? Kind of, but like there were like five of them or maybe, I don't know. There was oh, like Paranormal a, Activity. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of that. And I feel like that trend does use yes, definitely things so potently right yeah yeah because the first one is supposed to be great it, it's the only one i saw i think maybe it's yeah, it it's good. very effective and it's so crazy scary. that the guy had never made a movie before and he was just like well i've got enough money i can go buy a camera and we can record it in my house and like you know what we can we can do a lot of the effects on a computer I think they made it for like $64,000 and the movie made millions. Yeah. It made a lot of money. And then Spielberg saw it and he was like, oh, hey, this is pretty good. Let's get you a distribution deal. (laughs) That's crazy. But that that is one of the things where the the prevalence of found footage. Well, there's a reason why there's so many found footage movies because they are cheap to do. And horror in general is the cheapest to get into. Like a lot of people's first movies are horror movies mm-hmm. because they're they don't need much. Yeah. Like Oscar winner Patricia Arquette in Dream Warriors. That's where it was her first movie, you know? Well, and like Matthew McConaughey and Renelle Zegwer Renee Zellweger were in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. 
Yeah, and Jennifer um, Aniston was in Leprechaun. I, I did. And see Johnny that. Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Street he sure yeah. was. I'm your boyfriend. Jimmy now, Lee Curtis. Nancy. Jimmy Lee Curtis in Halloween. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we could we could do this all day. <laughs> I mean, look at uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. He was in um, Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. But he was in before that. He had like bit parts in other Corman movies and stuff like that. Like it, it goes really far back. Yes, yeah, so horror is cheap, and then the found footage thing, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Because a lot of them are, um, and this is no no slam on improvisers, but a lot of those movies are v- very loosely scripted and very heavily improvised. Um, the first Evil Dead. <laughs> oh, that movie. Um, but so they have to kind of punch things up and so they that's where you get a lot of the something rushes at the camera really quickly um where it's like you know the the end for almost all of those movies is ah ghost phase and then like static 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 camera drops yep where that's just lazy filmmaking um and so there's there's a lot i mean there's always been jump scares in like teen horror movies right well i mean like part of slasher movies and stuff it's, but it's build the tension, build the tension, release the tension, and then there he is. Mm-hmm. But instead, there's just like, hey, there's a cat jumping at the screen. <laughs> Constantly. God, damn it. How many cats are in this movie? <laughs> oh, Jonesy. Yeah, but I mean, like, since I have three cats, like, a cat jumping at the screen is like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting now. I, I, I do think... This type of horror, the, I, I think I would really like Hereditary. I really do think that I would like A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. I've not seen Bird Box, but I, I think okay. I, I think I would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I really love The Ring. I, I am much more into the psychological horror than the the slasher type horror. Mm-hmm. But I love a good zombie movie. Um, I can do those. Oh, yeah, Train to Busan. You liked that. I really like Train to Busan. I thought that was great. Um it, but I'm still at my core a scaredy cat, so it will all be on my uh, on my terms. Um, yeah. yeah, I watched like the. Um, they just made a second one, but it's like the neighbors or the intruders or a one word title. But it's the first one had. It's intruders. Is it? Intru- I, I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure that it's the one with Liv Tyler, right? With Liv it's Tyler, Scott Speedman. yeah, yeah, where they're just at their house. The strangers. The strangers. Oh, strangers. 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 Yeah, that movie fucked me up. Like, it should. It's super, very scary. Very scary. Totally built on tension, and like I did, I didn't enjoy it because it was too much tension. Yeah, and it and the and the the resolution of why you answered the door. That's like. It's it's too chaotic for us to comprehend that. Oh God, that just means anybody, anytime, anywhere. Right. It, it's kind of like when you. What is uh, the type of horror that um, Cthulhu is? It has like a name. Lovecraftian. Well, love. I guess it would be <laughs> I Lovecraftian. I but it's just like the immensity of that thing would be oh. enough to drive you mad. Yeah. Like if that, God, I'm w- trying to, I, I you know, know what, what I mean? Like, yeah, but I, I think it has a name. It does, but I'm blanking on what it is. But like, if you were to actually have witnessed this thing, 
you would either go insane or not believe it to be real because it's so far beyond your comprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, horror, guys. Yeah, um, I love it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with more matters after this. So this week, does anybody have anything top of the mind that they would like to share? Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, your Tess is uh, wearing a headband here, but uh, we bought a headband for my daughter, and it is super cute. Uh, she's got a ribbon in her hair. It's just adorable, like two puppies in a fireman's helmet. It is <laughs> wonderful. My heart is overflowing with love for my daughter. And uh, her sleeping is, uh, she's teething. So we're working through it. But next week, she'll be 11 months. Holy smoke. Yeah. Yeah. We're fast approaching one year, which is a major milestone as we slowly approach her being able to go to sleep at a reasonable time. (laughs) Or at least not involve us. Yeah. Or sleep (laughs) for some hours. Yeah. Some. Some. Yeah, because right now she's up every three to four and it's a little rough. That sounds intense. It's intense. It's intense. I was talking to somebody today and said my classic thing. I'm like, when people tell me that they don't want to have children, I go, I get it. It's cool. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) To fucking do the world a favor and, and stay that way. But if you change your mind, do it. It's I'm on both sides of the spectrum. If you're like, got to, have to, need to, go for it. Have fun. It's the best. It's definitely the greatest gift I am giving to this world. Right. I'm not <laughs> going to put another person on it. I'll be no part of that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. The, my, my question is, do you want another one of me running around? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. A little Maddie would be. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, let's see. Um, does, so does anybody have something top of their top of their head that they're um, into this week? So something that I am both into and ready to murder is Ori in the Blind Forest. Um, it's a game uh, for the Xbox and it's a very very sad game and like it's I I watched the trailer for this cuz you said that you you were taking a look at it. It's a platformer so it's kind of like your Super Mario Brothers Mega Man but um, so much more. They call it uh Metroidvania, I think. That makes is, sense. So yeah. it's Metroid and Castlevania that, and Castlevania Symphony of the Night in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you have to solve puzzles and and stuff like that, but it's it's also like well not really solving puzzles. You you really have to pay attention to the environment and like move this over here and then avoid this obstacle and whatever. But uh, 
I got to a point and now it's like I have no idea how I'm going to get past it. And like you can watch the walkthroughs and it's like, I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck this. And like I can't get back out and I don't want to have to restart the game again because I already restarted it once because I moved like a, a block over too far and I couldn't move it back. And I was like, oh, well, you can't get to that part now. You're fucked. <laughs> what? I, I, yeah, I, I, I did. A, I did this a, game now. I did a stupid <laughs> thing. Um, but it's a, it's like, what did you think when you watched the? Um, I thought the, it looked great and hard. Yeah, looks, I'm. I'm it playing looks on hard. I'm playing on easy, and it's like, eh, is it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a, a good game player like you. I basically just play things where I can blow other things up. Um, but this one, it was like, this looks really cool. And, you know, so I tried playing it. And, like, the the introduction to the game is extremely sad. And I don't even like thinking about it because it makes me sad. Um, but I really want to see the resolution at the end because I know what happens and it's like, I don't think I can get there, so I'm just going to have to watch it on YouTube. And it won't be the same. It'll be a false victory. But like, <laughs> I... But I'll take the victory. I mean, it's better than me getting so mad I burned my house down. <laughs> yes. The marked improvement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quite a bit. Tess, what do you got? Um, I mentioned to Matt earlier that for some reason I was inspired to watch Braveheart recently um just like this past week great movie 1995 and it made me remember the time that mel gibson called his girlfriend oksana grigorieva and left her all these extremely threatening about how he wanted to kill her yes yeah and um then so after we watched braveheart went to bed and i did dramatic interpretations of the full transcripts and so I got to revisit how messed up Mel Gibson is. Oh, yeah. And um, if you'd like me to share my favorite quote, I, I would love to. If yes, we would love if to you're hear ready it. for it. Um, I don't think we are ready for it. No. So essentially, I'll just read you one thing Mel said. I deserve to be blown first before the fucking jacuzzi. Okay? I'll burn the goddamn house down, but you blow me first. How dare you? How fucking dare you? Urgh! You wanted the number of my therapist? Don't you ever speak to him. Find your own goddamn therapist, panting, because you got problems more than me. D- does she? Because you <laughs> seem to be an insane person. Mel Gibson, giving you the worst day of your life where you have to blow him, and then he burns your house down. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a fun... Um, this was in 2010 that he was very charming. Um, and it was fun to revisit that. That I is, don't want the world to forget. Yeah. That is where he then went on an anti-Semitic rant. Right? I think it was actually, uh, that was after the anti-Semitic rant, yes. I believe. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say alcohol was a um, driving force for <laughs> all of this. Contributing factor. I think he got pulled over for a DUI he and, did, that's and that's when, when he, he accused the the officer of being, being Jewish? A, yeah, of of being part of the Jewish conspiracy, and and you look like a Jew. You're a Jew, aren't you? And then just off to the races. Um, wow. 
I guess off yeah. to the races was probably poorly chosen uh, <laughs> phrase, but well, he's off calling people races. Yeah, um, he also but, said some colorful racist things to Oksana. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, because didn't didn't she like make eye contact with a black guy, and it, it was um, like oh. He dropped some end bombs and ah, yeah. classic. Yeah, yeah. But re- um, reading those was. But you know, <laughs> what now it, now he gets to star as the dad in those movies or the the grandfather in those movies with like Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. So all's forgiven, right? And Jodie Foster like tried to come out in support of him and be like, "Mel's a great guy," and I'm like, "Okay, Jodie Foster." Yeah, but people also star in Roman Polanski movies, and it's like, oh, he's a child rapist, uh-huh. but he makes good movies. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> You're a piece of trash. Yeah. Why can't I live the life I want to live in the denial I want to live it in? <laughs> Shrugs. Shrugs. <laughs> Shrugs. Well, at least they're going after R. Kelly now, right? <laughs> I didn't see it, the docuseries. Um, His own daughter had a press re- or not a press release, but on on Instagram, she was like, "Yeah, my dad's a monster." <laughs> so yeah. Well, I remember when he was um, indicted on charges for perhaps urinating on a thirteen year old in a video or 14. something. Okay, not okay. that not that it makes no, a you're difference. You're right. You're just, right. Um, and I remember thinking, "Ooh, gross," and feeling like he's gross and I'm over it. And then when Lady Gaga's album art pop came out, such a great album and she has a duet with him. And I was like, Oh, that seems like a really poor choice. Like then, because Mm -hmm. we knew about all of this stuff. And then recently I saw, she's like, I regret that. So Mm -hmm. dumb. I'm pulling it from iTunes. That drives me insane. It's like, no, you, you did a cash grab with R. Kelly Phoenix did the same thing, and I love Phoenix, but I'm just like, stop it. Like, yeah. You know what? If any, number one, I barely remember that they did a song together. That's number one. Like, yeah. I'm not listening to Give It Up to My Body or whatever that song was yeah. called. Like, I'm not even there. So, you just wanting to attach yourself to, to that thing again. And be like, well, and also it's right around the time she's trying to get an, an Oscar, Oscar nomination. Yeah. Um, Unless she's saying that she's going to take all the money she earned from that song and donate it to, um, right? I, I don't know, some victim relief fund kind of thing. I'm like actually not interested in her statement on that. I just, I'm like, you made a business decision that you regret. Yeah. Okay. I'm, and I still remember the Saturday Night Live performance where they did the duet, and there could not have been less chemistry on oh, stage yeah. between two people. And I remember thinking at the time, because I'm a scumbag, I was like, "Ah, oh, it's because she's a grown woman," you know. <laughs> you don't want to pee on that. <laughs> Probably don't have to urinate at all. <laughs> not a drop for Gaga. <laughs> We're um, scumbags here too. Yeah, so, no, <laughs> forgive me. But uh, I, did you see the thing that John Legend said? No. Where he, he called him out and he basically called him a, like a real piece of shit. Um, where, and he was just like, people need to stop defending this guy. This guy is a real piece of shit. Um, where, you know, like, good good for you? Yeah. I, I love a bold statement. I love a bold declaration. I mean, he could have said this years ago, a decade ago. Sure. But, you know, 
the information wasn't out there. Oh wait, no, the information has been out well, there for decades. Ch- Chappelle, <laughs> Chappelle has basically been like, "Yeah, R. Kelly's a piece of shit for yeah. years. Yeah. We made that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then he talks about like R. Kelly's reaction. He's like, "Well, we all saw it. <laughs> you you did that. Yeah, and you married Aaliyah when she was fifteen years old. You know, uh, you, you can't say you didn't know how old she was." You did. <laughs> so weird. So weird. Uh, happier topics. Yes. Happier topic. Anything else? Anything else on your list this week? Um, I've been catching up on Game of Thrones. Excited. Got saw the through. new uh, saw the new tra- uh, teaser trailer for Game I'm, of Thrones. I'm, Are you I'm a, a fan you- or? I need to revisit because I don't remember anything. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why I'm doing it. Where it's like, oh shit, I forgot about all these things that happened. Like, I forgot, um, like the the Grand Maester of the um the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. I forgot that he was a Targaryen. Like, yep, th- just so many things. Or that uh the um the the head of the Night's Watch was Jorah's dad. Yes. Like I forgot and that's why Jon Snow has that has long sword. Claw. Yeah, yeah. I like I forgot about all those things. Did you see the new the new teaser where they're all in the crypt? Yes, and they're they're standing in front of the statues. Yes. So they're so there's a new te- teaser trailer. It doesn't really show anything. Um what it does show is them walking by Leora and she says the the line that she says in the one episode that she has appeared in um, where she's like, hey, Eddard, need you to take care of uh, my son here. And then passes by Caitlin or Catelyn and they do the line of um, everything bad that's ever happens because I couldn't love a fatherless, uh, motherless child. And then it comes to uh, Ned and it's him saying, "When uh, when we return, we'll talk about your mother." <laughs> so it's like they're setting all of this up, but something that they you see is a feather dropped to the ground, and I didn't remember what the fuck the feather was because it's from the very first episode <laughs> of the show where um, Robert Baratheon gets there. And as soon as they get to uh, Winterfell, he's like, see you later, Cersei. I'm going to the crypt to say hello to my... The the woman that I actually loved, yeah. And he puts a feather on her her statue. And and it shows the feather falling to the ground. And it freezes over when winter comes to Winterfell. Yeah, don't you see? Don't you see the, um, the, the... What do they call him? The king behind them in the crypt or something i call him cool ice daddy <laughs> oh cool ice daddy did you see eric hankey a friend of the show longtime producer of the show eric hankey is watching game of thrones for the first time oh. i did and he put out his character key <laughs> because him and uh, uh deanne and him can never remember any of the characters oh, yeah, names. yeah 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 so he gave all the names that they call them. I loved it. I, I'm gonna find it. Oh, and God. and it's this is what it. this is what was, we're. It was on this Facebook? is how I finished um, whatever the last season was. I remember just recently, I was asked, "Oh, we're gonna watch Game of Thrones. Do you do you remember what happened?" I was like, 
I don't know. I'm going to have to revisit it because all I can remember now is that Cool Ice Daddy is definitely riding an ice dragon. That's all I got. So I feel very out of sorts with it. So uh, Jamie Lannister is Prince Charming from Shrek. (laughs) (laughs) Brienne of Tarth (coughs) is Phasma, who I don't know who Phasma is. A Star Wars character. Okay. Because she was in one of the Star Wars movies recently. I'm embarrassed oh, 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 that oh, I, I know, know. Oh, that, yeah, I, actually. She's, she was the, the one in the, like, the silver oh, stormtrooper Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, I know her name. Uh, which Stark is that? Ariana, oh, that's uh, Arya. Arya Stark is Ariana, Ariana Grande. Grande. Of course. <laughs> the eunuch who that's the only thing i remember about this character he's a eunuch oh he's great he's the spy master he's the What's um valera uh, varus 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 is uncle fester perfect uh little finger is cameron fry <laughs> oh that one i don't get uh ferris bueller <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> okay um <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Um, um, I always forget the horse king's name. Um, the horse king? Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, Drago. Uh, Cal Drago, yeah. Cal Drago. Aquaman. Is Aquaman. Of course. Uh, Jorma is old Jamie. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Catelyn is Mama Stark. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> The Onion Knight is Beard Guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Jorah is old, older Beard Guy. That's not Jorah. Jorah was was older Jamie. That's Jorah's dad. Oh, Jorah's dad is older Beard Guy. Yeah. <laughs> and why can't I remember Joffrey? his name? Joffrey. Joffrey. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, the High Sparrow is Perone. I don't know. Probably. Oh, uh, uh, didn't he play? Um, Jonathan Price. Didn't he play um, Eva Perone's husband? Probably. I don't know. Um, and then I cannot remember this character's name, although I know that he's from the. He's a Sand Snake. Oh, uh, the that he was. Um, He's the one who I'd, fights the mountain. Yeah, and oh, uh, that doesn't go well. <laughs> Oof. Antonio and the, Banderas. That's what they call. And him. then they call him Antonio nice. Banderas. And then the man with no face is Eddie Vedder. <laughs> that was my favorite one. <laughs> uh, and then um, the lady in red is the tangled witch lady. <laughs> I always just called her like Tori Amos. <laughs> That's I, very good. I was like, silent all the these Tori years. Amos lady, you know. Um, I cannot remember uh, her name in the show. Uh, um, Queen. Fuck. Right. Yep. I, I don't. Natalie I, Dormer. That's all I got. Natalie Dormer is <laughs> Mockingjay. <laughs> Hodor is Groot. <laughs> That's good too. That's really great. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh the the main red-headed um uh what do they call oh, it? Oh the wild person the, uh, the wildling the, the, yeah the main wildling 
Yeah. Was yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's his name. He's what's oh, in no, your wallet. <laughs> uh, oh, in the um, in the Hall of Faces, the girl with no face mm-hmm. is the T one thousand. Oh shit! Uh, the mother of uh, Natalie Dormer is just named Badass. <laughs> True. And then uh, uh, the the head Lannister, Jamie Lannister's father. Tyrion. Tyrion. Or not Tyrion. Uh, Tyrion. Ty- Ty- Tywin. Tywin, yes. Tywin Lannister is sweet brother Noomsay. <laughs> so very, very fun. Tessa, this has been so much fun to have oh, you on the show. Yeah. Thanks um, so much. I, tell them once again how they find your podcast. Um, what it's called. Everything. It's called Give Tess Talks You Through. It's from Hearsay Studios. You can email me any advice questions you have at Tess Talks You Through. T-E-S-S-T-A-L-K-S-U-T-H-R-U at gmail.com. So it is the letter U. not In the, the email address, yes. But in the formal title of the podcast, it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. But the email address, it's y- the letter U and okay. T-H-R-U. Perfect. Yeah. Um, we love those guys over at Hearsay. Uh, we love uh, JR and Patty. We've had them both on the show. Uh, we've done a double bill with transmissions and yes. uh, spooky, spooky sex. Spooky scary. Yep. So, I'm so uh, grateful for them. Yeah. They're the best. And we're, we're super excited for any chance that we get to collaborate. So thank you so much yes, for thank coming. you so much. It was so wonderful. And uh, we will see everyone on the next episode of Matters. The Strain. We'll explain it. We'll explain it. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. <laughs> It was a good try. It was a solid try.